Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I feel better now. Thank you, worship team. I feel better now. Tonight I'm going to minister in the service. Um, There's some people that you pray for that they seem to never want to humble themselves and give their heart to Jesus. They're just always on the run. What is it that causes them not to want to acknowledge Jesus? What is it that and how is it that some, you know, just kind of danced in the church and dance out but never really make something solid? They don't stick with it. They just, uh, no matter what you say or what you do, it's just, that just happens. And I'm going to give you illustrations tonight in the message so that we understand, hey, here's why, here's why that happens. Here's why people run in and out. This is why. People just don't acknowledge Jesus. And we, uh, we honor God, and that's tonight. And then right after that, I think 7.15-ish, uh, uh, we're going to be in the happy people's party where there's milk and honey <laughs> and all that goes with it. Turn to your neighbor and say, thanks for showing up today. Most of us in this room don't have any idea what God has in store for you. We don't understand the massive promises that God has, and we often don't stick with it long enough on a committed life to go deeper with God. There are some people that I know that they're blessed, and they're blessed uh, beyond anything they could comprehend. They have all the toys that you could possibly have and, and uh, just are better and better and more and more aggressive. And it seems like to me and that the more God gives them and enables them to have, the less committed they are to the kingdom of God. There are individuals that say, well, I got what I got through hard work. How many of you work hard? Come on now. How many of you work hard? How many of you hardly work? There you go. They think they got where they got because of hard work. Some think that, hey, because I had a lucky break. Oh, I hate that lucky stuff especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You steal everything away from God. Well, I was lucky, lucky. I was lucky, and that's how I got it. Or I had a great education. I was one of those that grades and achieving good grades, it was easy for me. I loved going to school, you know, some people loved going to school. They repeated the first grade three times. They loved it so much. I made great grades. I heard that amen over there. Individuals think, well, I was at the right place at the right time. Or my parents, some of you were born with a silver spoon, and that's how I got what I got. But I want to tell you something that should be sobering to all of us. Wealth is relative. And here's what the Bible says, and it's James. And James is usually one that sets you straight, but he's got one 
that he's going to lob over to us today in the first chapter of James, verse 17. Every good and what? Every good and what? Every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. Which way is above? All you who repeated third or first grade three times, which way is above? Above is that way. All good and perfect gifts come from where? Over yonder? No, that institution, lucky break, circumstances, no. All good and perfect gifts come from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change light-shifting shadows. So I worked hard. Well, who do you think kept you safe on the highway and gave you enough strength that your heart could work right and your muscles would work right, that you could work for 30 years on that job, 10 years on that job, and God gave you favor and God gave you increase? Where do you think that came from? It came from above. Do you know the devil from below? If he could have his way, he would wreck your life in a heartbeat. But the God from above, hallelujah, said, I'm going to give you protection. I'm going to anoint your family. I'm going to minister through your kids. I'm going to give you favor if you pay attention to me. It comes from above. No wonder that we sing to God be the glory for great things he has done. Now, it doesn't just come our way, does it? You have to work hard. You have to have ingenuity. You have to study. You have to be committed. You have to be diligent. You have to show up for work and not miss all the time. You have to stay healthy, all of those things. But when you do, God says, I'll give you increase. Well, listen, pastor, I know so-and-so over there. You know what? I'm actually at church more than he does, and I know I'm into my devotions more than, than they are, and yet, and I know they say, they're, they say they're a Christian. How come they have more than I have? How come? And you know what the Bible says? God would say to you, ain't none of your business. Because you see, here's what we do. We act like down-to-earth people. God said, I don't want you to have a down-to-earth mentality. I want you to have a heavenly mentality because you don't see the wealth that I have for you here. They may enjoy theirs here, and there'll be more. But listen, if you're faithful and you're diligent, you are not going to be left behind. Amen. God's not going to leave you behind, friend. He's not. So that good and favor that we have from Almighty God. And I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to each of us. God, I want more of you, more of you. I, I, I want to get deeper. I want to I get stronger. I, God, I, I want to be more faithful. I want to be more diligent, God. I, I want to be more on the mark. Somebody say amen. That's what I want. God says that's what you want. That's what you can have. If, if you're willing to maintain the faith that's in your head and in your heart and say, I position my attitude, I position my perspective to enjoy all the things that God has for me. Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer is on the wall of uh, Arnold Palmer's uh, 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 office there. Arnold Palmer, there's a drink uh, that I like sometime, it, and uh, don't get nervous, it, it is tea and lemonade, okay? How many has ever had an Arnold Palmer? That's right. Well, Pastor, what you don't know, they can always add a little extra beverage in there if you know what I mean. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I like tea and lemonade. 
Hello? So here's what he said. If you think you're beaten, you are. Somebody say amen. And if you think you dare not, you don't. And if you'd like to win but think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. Can you win? Somebody say amen. Can you win? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a winner? Come on. You're a winner? You think you can? Do you know what this church is? This church is a vibrant organism anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit that God said, I have anointed you, given you the message, and I have commissioned you to go to all the world and preach and teach the gospel and engage in a Christian behavior that encourages lost men and women, that lets them see what winning is about, that winning Winning is not about having a little extra money. Winning is knowing that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and you're about the Father's business doing the work of Almighty God and you go to sleep at night knowing it is well with my soul. Well with my soul. So here we go. It's about Moses and Joshua. Here we go. Genesis 17, 8, the whole land of Canaan where you're an alien. I'll give you an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. God has something in store for you. God has something wonderful for you. Well, I'm just too old. If you think you can, you will. If you think you won't, you won't. I'm just to get rid of your sorry, good-for-nothing excuses. God, I am renewed in my mind. I'm renewed when the Holy Spirit come over me. God, I believe I can run through a wall, over it, under it, and around it, and through a troop as I go. I believe that's what you want me to do. Amen? Far too often, the church mopes around like a bunch of losers, a bunch of complainers, a bunch of mourners. And God said, I can't use you. I can't use you. I can't use you. But you take that person who says, God, I want you to know I am ready to go. Harness me up. Send me off out there wherever you want want me to go, I promise you, I'm going to bring back unsafe people, and I'm going to talk to them about your love and your power. Leighton Hughes says, hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. How many want to fly in the name of Jesus? I do. Well, stay with me now. Balcony, y'all up there, say amen. It's hard to hear y'all when this group down here is being so noisy. Oh, y'all think they're noisy too, huh? That's good. Here we go. Stay with me. Deuteronomy 121. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and make, take possession of it. As the Lord, the God of your fathers, told you, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. God made the promise to Abraham. He's made it to his people. Moses, we know, Functioned really good until he failed. But because he failed, it did not take the promise away. So here's what God says. I've set before you a promise. I've set before you a land. I've set before you an open door. 
I'm giving you an opportunity. And if you believe that, and if you commit to that, that which you and I believe will in fact come to pass. Every promise comes from the partnership that we have in God, you know, partnership we have in God. And that's important. Our text finds Moses retiring. Moses retired. And then shortly after, he died. What does that say about retirement? <laughs> See, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't believe in retirement. I think in shifting responsibilities. Amen. Just go from this lane to that lane. Well, here's Joshua. Joshua is ready. Joshua understands because he watched Moses and he was aware of the challenge. He knew the promise. There was one thing on Joshua's mind. And the value of that promise was, hey, we're going to the land of milk and honey. It's the fertile land, well watered. In Deuteronomy 1.25, taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. And Joshua said, boy, I am going to be a participant in that. So for you, it may be you're saying, we've been praying about having another baby. Get busy. We've been thinking about building a new home, work toward it. Well, I've been thinking about getting married, pray about it. Well, I've been thinking about getting remarried, pray, pray about it. Amen? Nothing wrong with that. How many believe in companionship? How many believe in companionship? After I do. I've been thinking about that. But you can't think about, I want to get married and get remarried. And you walk around with messed up hair, with no deodorant, <laughs> with yellow teeth, with hose and stockings with holes in it. Hello? 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 If you want to get married and remarried, who? Look like it. Anybody out there? Can anybody say amen? amen? That's right. Just look like it. Look like it. Well, God said he's just going to send them to me. I'm going to enjoy more of the Spirit of the Lord. God, I want you, I just, I really want more of you. Or I'm going to find time for involvement in ministry. You see, God wants to give you the promises he desires for you to inherit. But he's not opposed to you saying to him, God, I, I'd kind of like that too. And God says, okay, if you pray and it's my will, that's, that's understandable. Robert Kennedy said, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream about things that never were and ask why not. Joshua has the promise of God. Now, get this now. Joshua knew what the promise was. 
And that is, number one problem often, we don't know what the problem is. We don't, we haven't been challenged. We, we haven't been wrestling. We, we haven't been disturbed. Nothing keeps us up at night. Nothing seems to alarm us. And you know why that is? That we don't, we have, we're not facing any giants. We've got everything in a box. We've got everything taken care of. We've got, we got a nice little income stream here, and we got kind of church checked, and that's out of the way. But, but listen, there, nothing is happening to create a stir in you. You know what God is saying? Hey, I want to stir you up. I don't want you to go hide. I don't want you to sit comfortably over there in a corner. I want you to know that I have the same call on your life to do something as anybody else I've ever called. Number two, God always gives you an opportunity to reach your potential. He does. Don't reach your potential. Somebody asked me a while back, how did you get where you are today? I said, got up every day put my pants on, went to work, prayed, and stuck with it. I didn't read 50,000 books. I read, read a lot of books, a lot of magazines. But it's like, hey, get out there and run with it. How many know what I'm talking about? God always gives you an opportunity to reach your potential. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. I'm about to give them to the Israelites, and I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Larry Dobbs is over here. Larry Dobbs on Mustang Monthly, on Corvette Fever. He owned, I don't know, five or six or seven or eight magazines that he created and he published. Before that, not long before that, he was a salesman at Sears and Roebuck. But he thought, hey, if somebody else did that, I can do it. And he got busy and went to work after hours and working late at night, working distribution, and began to dive into an area. Did not be, he worked for the Lakeland Ledger. Larry, am I getting that right? Raise your hand. Worked for the Ledger. I think I saw that hand. But he stuck with it. And in sticking with it, God gave him a successful multi-million dollar empire that, by the way, every penny he's ever made in his business and personally, guess what he did? He tithed on it to the work of Almighty God. Amen? You see, God knows your potential, and you work it and you stay with it. Joshua had the opportunity. And we know that as we move forward, here's what God said to us. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified Terrified because of the enemy, because the Lord goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Be busy. Understand that opportunities with no limitations require absolute commitment. I am committed. So the question is asked, we have church. I love my church. I love my church, but I'm committed to my church. You say, well, I don't know if I'd wear that. Well, love means you're already committed, amen? I'm committed to my church. I'm committed to the work of God. I'm committed to seeing lives changed. I'm committing to building the church. I'm committing, committed to see young people have a place to be able to worship. The winner glories in the good. The whiner majors in 
mediocre. Winners' thinking process differ from other people's as part of their normal moment-to-moment stream of consciousness. Winners think constantly in terms of I can and I will. Losers concentrate their waking thoughts on what they should have done, would have done, what they can't do. When the mind self-taught positive performance is more likely to be successful, the huge majority of our negative doubts and fears are imaginary or beyond our control. You have Joshua, younger than Moses. You have the promised land. It's inhabited by the enemy, but you have a covenant. Something will always get in your way from accomplishing what you may feel God is tugging on your heart to do. But here's what human nature is. Human nature doesn't want to do too much more than what's required to get in. Are you with me? It doesn't... We don't want to do more than, okay, I've made it in. And and see, we understand that every every miracle recorded in Scripture, that person had to understand what it took to have that miracle, and they had to participate. If you look into your heart and claim the promise Right now, that promise will be enjoyed because of three things. Number one, it will demand sacrifice. Sacrifice is the offering of something valuable. What are you willing to sacrifice, to give away, to do without? What is you're willing to put on the altar and say, I'm leaving it there? Joshua had to be willing, even though he knew he had the covenant, he had to be willing to march into the enemy territory and risk his life in order to succeed of obtaining the promise of the land. Well, God, you could just strike all the enemy. God, no, I'm not going to do that. You're going to go in and take the land. It's yours. You've got to conquer it. Some of the, sometimes the things that get in our way are things in our own lives that we choose not to deal with that keep getting in the way because we won't kill them. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to be willing to sacrifice. The second thing that we need, it will demand obedience. Now, how many of you are just ordinarily, just naturally obedient? I'm going to look over here. You're just normally, naturally obedient This all this over here. This section, just naturally, normally obedient. One, one hand here. Would, would you stand? <laughs> Thank you, just checking. All these young people, I'm not even going to ask that section. (laughs) How many of you in this section are just naturally, you're just normally obedient? Raise your hand. Are you sure? 
How about this section all the way to the back? Don't raise your hand, Tim. I see a hand, yes. By the other hands, I see another hand. All right, balcony. All right. How many of you just naturally, normally, includes you, doll? Obedient up there. I see that hand. Thank God. Y'all, how about in the center? Just raise your hand. Okay. How many over here? I'm looking all the way down. Okay, now here's the last question on this part. How many of you are usually not naturally obedient? You're not. That's the rest of you. I'm not. So how does God, and you know what? How many would consider yourself super spiritual? I see that, God bless. Just super spiritual. I mean, you walk around, hallelujah. And to make it do better, you quiver, hallelujah. Hello? It's not. So if you're God, and we're not, how does God deal with us? If we're not naturally, normally obedient, how does he get anything done? How many of you had just an absolute obedient child that you sired? Was well, only two months old. <laughs> so how does God deal with us? And that's what he's saying to us out of this message today. How does God build his plan, his potential, and his promise in you if we freely admit that we are not naturally, ordinarily obedient? What does he do? Here's, here's how it works. He said, firstly, you have to understand God. You have to understand God's objective, and you have to understand God's desire that God's calling is on all of us. And we wouldn't ordinarily say, God, you might put a calling on me, but I don't care. That's rebellion. That's rebellion. I don't care what you say. That's rebellion. I'm, I'm not going to do it. We understand God. God said, every person I ever created, I have a call and an anointing on. And he said, every person that I've called and I've created, I've called to sacrifice. You give up yourself. You lay down your life. Every person that I've called and created that I place a call on, and that's all of us, he said, it's better when you obey. I often ask people in some of the um, uh, stores that I go into or people I meet on the street, and, uh, <clears throat> and I, I will say to them, hey, uh, you be good. And automatically, many of them will say, well, sorry, pastor, I'm not going to be good. You know, here's the thing. When you're not good, being bad is not your problem necessarily. Y'all with me? It's getting caught. I, I mean, you understand. Man, I was bad. I didn't get by. God said, okay, it's because I let you go.
Go ahead and do it again. And I'll let you go. Go ahead and do it again. I'll let you go. But sooner or later, you're going to see the blue lights in the mirror. Mm-hmm. But officer, I just put new tires on this car, and they, they said this car might run faster. With these new cars, I had no idea it'd run 20 miles an hour faster than what it used to. It's just not my fault. You know what? He ought to cuff you and stuff you right then. Okay, Joshua, I have the land and the promise, but it's sacrifice. You've got to march in there, buddy, and it's obedience. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded to you. Every enemy that you face, I will take down. Thirdly, it takes faith. Whatever you want in your life, you're going to have to sacrifice. You want a different house, you're going to have to sacrifice. You want more? You're going to have to sacrifice. You want to see your son or daughter that's, that's not saved? You're going to have to sacrifice. It's called fasting. You're going to have to be obedient, and you're going to have to act in faith and believe and claim their name in the name of the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, there's so much out there God desires to place in your hands if you're just willing to pay attention unbelievable. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then finally, it's important to remember that when we're called of God and we're functioning in God's call, that God will anoint us and make us better than what really we ordinarily are. General Mark Clark, how many has ever heard of him? Okay, that's understandable, just a few. One of the greatest heroes, they say, of World War II. He led the Salerno invasion, Winston Churchill said, was the most daring amphibious operation we have launched or which I think has ever been launched in a similar scale of war. That's what Winston Churchill said about him. At one time, Clark was promoted to lieutenant general, and he was the youngest man of that rank in the U.S. Army. Wow. He graduated from West Point in 1917 at the top of his class. No, he didn't. He was 111th from the top in a class of 139. That meant he was 28 from the bottom. 28 from the bottom. But he had the will to make the sacrifice to exercise faith, and to capture what he needed to capture to be able to do what he felt like he was commanded to do. Now, I pray, and this is my prayer, as we get ready to go home or wherever it is you're going to go, hang out with somebody, whatever. One, if you're not challenged spiritually, ask God to challenge you. If you don't have a giant confronting you, find one. If you don't have an issue that needs your prayer and your focus, shame on you. 
If you have a dream that's been totally fulfilled, here's an idea. Help someone else fulfill their dream. You say, all my dreams are fulfilled. Then there are a lot of people around you who are struggling to try to have at least one dream fulfilled. Help them fulfill theirs. Someone asked me the other day, Pastor, what do you have on your bucket list? I don't even have a bucket. I don't. Why? What's on your bucket list? I don't have a bucket. None. But would you like to travel? I do. Hello? Would you like to be blessed? I am. Is there somewhere you'd like to go? I haven't thought about it yet. Just all those things. Why? Because here's the deal. Somebody said, well, you, well something's wrong with you. I've told you that from the get-go that I'm not right. Because, see, I don't build up to have a big bucket list. I just say, God, I want to live the best out of this day. Squeeze it until like a dish rag and keep squeezing out until I get everything that I need in order to honor you. And all good and perfect gifts come from you. And if you've got something you want me to do, it will show up. Somebody say amen. That's just the way it is. Enjoy, enjoy your life. We understand that. He requires a decision of committed action. That's what I'm going to do, Joshua. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And whatever you sent, wherever you send us, we will go. Can you hear the wife say to the husband, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. It would be a miracle. Can you hear the husband say to his wife without an ulterior motive? Whatever you ask me to do, darling, I'll do it. And wherever you ask me to go, except shopping, I'll go. <laughs> and you know what God says? Listen now. God says to you, 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 I have so much more than what you realize. Amen. And if you just say to me, whatever, I'm all in then your life will light up and God will take you into places that will bless you and bless others and it will tear down strongholds because you were willing to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And some of you have giants that you are fighting right now. Well, you know what? Just keep fighting. Keep trusting God for it. Keep believing God for it. Now, would you stand? That's a kind request from all you disobedient people. <laughs> right? Now, listen carefully. George Bernard Shaw 
played the what if game shortly before he died. Here's the story. Mr. Shaw asked a reporter, if you could live your life over and be anybody you've known or any person from history, who would you be? He said, I would choose, George Bernard Shaw said, to be the man George Bernard Shaw could have been but never was. I'd be the man I could have been, but I never was. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live one day. I wish I could be the man. I wish I could be the man that God wanted me to be that I never was. I want to burn out for Jesus. How about you? Amen? I want, God's got more answered prayer coming my way than I realize. Are y'all listening? I'm yard talking now. He's got more prompt. Don't ever get, well, he never done anything for me. Hush your mouth. Begin to confess out of acts of He's got more blessing coming my way than I could ever imagine. And don't let the devil lie to you and say, you dirty, rotten scoundrel, you know you aborted all those blessings. And I'll say, no, the last time I checked, the blood covered everything I ever did. I'm clean, amen. I'm on my feet, amen. I don't want to live that way. I want to say, God, I want whatever you have. Whatever you have, just send it on my way. Because I promise you, I'm going to enjoy it, amen. Amen, by the grace of God. By the grace of God. Father, I thank you for all these wonderful people. I know they said they were not obedient, but they are. They're the best people in the world. Good looking they are too. I pray for those online that are with us today. God, I sure wish they could have been here. I pray now that you would minister and meet every need. And Lord, for those who might say, hey, I'm not worth two cents. I've not committed my life to Jesus. I haven't really made that decision. But I, I want to do that. And you know the reason you want to do it? Because God is nudging you. Did you know that God could not nudge you if he chose not to? You'd be lost. And there's no way you could make it to him without he draws you. And if he's drawing you today, you know what he's saying to you, madam, sir? Young person, there's still hope for you. God said it's not too late for you to become the person I want you to be. So right now, would everybody repeat this prayer? Here we go. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus. I, thank you for Jesus. I, admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've sinned. I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I have struggled. I have struggled. But, today, but today, I'm coming clean. I'm coming clean. Forgive me. Cleanse me from all my sins and created me a pure spirit. So here I am. Tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. I am ready to give you honor and to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands one more time. Here we go. Hallelujah. If you need prayer in your body, this is God's promise to you. If you come and be anointed by the elder of the church, pray the prayer of faith and you shall 
be healed. By my stripes, ye are almost healed. No, you are healed. You will never get anything unless you take a step. And that step out of obedience, out of sacrifice, and out of committed action will bring to pass God's best in your life. So we're going to sing this song, and I'm going to ask you to stay with me to the benediction, which will be in just a few minutes, okay? You need prayer, you come on down right now. You're facing a giant, let's come slay him right now in Jesus' name. Here we go. together. Here we go. just a moment because some of you, you know what direction you ought to be going and you're not doing. Listen, please, those of you in the balcony, let God speak to you. It's not far down here, back here. One more minute, we're going to wait. So come on quickly. Here we go. Let's wait one more minute. One more minute waiting on you. going to wait on you up there. Come on. Okay, Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit is in this room. The Holy Spirit is here to comfort us, to convict us, to heal us through the power of Jesus. I pray now every person here, may this message find a lodging place in our hearts. May we look at our life and say, God, what, what am I doing that counts? What am I doing managing, God? God, am I satisfied? Am I coasting or... God, am I helping someone else to make their dream come true? Oh, God, direct me, enlighten me to help me help them. 
And God, here's what I know. You'll be honored and you'll be glorified. Now take us today safely to back home, I suppose. And then tonight we come to listen. And then for all the happy people, all the first people who's been in the last year or so, we're going to have a party right after church. So bless that. And Lord, we give this week, we give our lives and time to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Shake hands with at least one person before you leave. Take my hand.